That's a good answer. I was just going to say yes. <laughs> it just takes me a long time to say yes. <laughs> So we know Jim can see auras, and if a question mark goes over you, but it's up to you if you want to raise your hand to respond to that question mark in your aura. <laughs> you want to pass it <laughs> I can remember when I first started doing this, and um, I would watch this movement of spirit go around. Have you ever watched? Years ago, they used to have, uh, like, Lawrence Welk or somebody do uh, these the songs on, on TV where they'd say, follow the bouncing ball, oh, and you would follow the bouncing ball to, to sing the song with the, the, the chorus on TV. Well, it's funny because the Holy Spirit will come in sometimes and it'll look like a bouncing ball, and it'll just go <laughs> around to different people. And it's, it's letting me know there's a question here, there's an awareness here, and I can kind of tell by how it moves as to what it is. And so it's interesting, he says a question mark. To me, it's a, not a question mark, it's a bouncing ball of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but not everybody responds to it. And one way to know that it's, it may be with you is there could be a stirring inside. There could be like a little stirring of butterflies in the stomach <laughs> or a sense in the heart of heaviness or movement that kind of freaks you out, maybe. I don't know. Uh, and it, it, can be a, it can be a statement inside of yourself, well, I don't want to talk in front of everybody else, or I don't want to have to talk on the microphone. But in truth, what it is is saying to you, there's something inside that is longing to be shared, longing to be heard, longing to be asked. And it's a matter of us doing just that. What did all the great teachers say? Ask and you shall receive. They said it in some form or other. And it truly is, ask and you shall receive. But if you don't ask, if you don't put the energy out, if you don't put it into motion, guess what? You sit right there with the question, with the doubt, with the fear. And not a whole lot moves when those things block the pathway before us. And it could be just a pebble, but that pebble can look like a boulder. And it can block us like a boulder. Even though in truth, it's just a little mite Mighty, uh, little minute piece of stone, an idea, a concept, a belief, a thought, a feeling, a desire, a need, an unexpressed piece of potato, as they say in Scrooge. <laughs> so that's a, that's a good statement, the question mark. I like that. That brings up a lot of memories, a lot of statements. So turn, turn your pebbles into bouncing balls. Yeah, there you go. Go ahead. Oh, they might remain big boulders. <laughs> um, to uh, elaborate a little bit on her uh, thought, to, it's a matter of um, degree perhaps, but uh, I have found when suddenly I may be blessed with the realm of spirit or... or different awakening. Uh, my physical can keep on going and I get many things done not even realizing it and I don't know that I would be choosing those things but they, they feel very, they are very productive for me if looking back on them. So it's kind of nice to 
to have that where and I didn't it wasn't like a planning or a have to but uh, they were uh, constructive things in the physical it's just I never would have thought of those things but they seem to be happening along and along as some of these other uh, sometimes when this other awakening comes simultaneously that's really true if you can follow just the movement of the spirit, the movement of the moment. Things do flow and things do get done very easily. You know, there's a saying that if you'll do your 10%, which is your meditation, God will join you and do the 90. And in truth, if we will give our attention to God and put God first and give that time in our meditation to God, we'll find that in the rest of the day, the 90% of the day that we yet have to do, God will join in with us and walk with us and participate with us. And things get done with grace and with ease and simplicity. And so if, if we don't just focus on the world and all the have-tos and the needs, we find our lives are easier. But if we focus on the have-tos and the needs and the difficulties of the world and make them first, then we trudge our way through the day. And it's a challenge. We never get things all done and whatever. So. That's a nice sharing. That's a nice statement. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So who has the butterflies? <laughs> <laughs> that's a spiritual symbol. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty image, a butterfly. Yeah. Let the butterfly out. <laughs> So much of what you said today was absolutely perfect for me. Um, and I'm just thinking about how I get blocked in my meditation when I'm going through periods of life lessons that are more intense than normal. And, um, you know, go into a, a nice space and then all of a sudden that issue just is bang and, and how easily I'm pulled back into it and I'm totally wrapped up in mind and involved in the emotion and and then I'm like, oh no, what did I just do? And then struggle to get back, let that go again. So I, I guess I'm just looking for some some way not to let that do that. It almost feels like mind is intentionally doing that, just using that issue to pull me back constantly you describing actually the process of how this works and I like to call it sometimes two steps forward one step back but you see when we focus on spirit we begin to move into that and then those karmas of the world will pull us back so two steps forward one step back so as you make God first and you move towards God then those things of the world that are still holding you back from the greater experience of that will call your attention and that's not bad if anything, in them calling your attention, it is bringing your awareness to that which you have to complete. And so as it calls your attention, all you do is then focus the loving into that because it's the loving that will set you free. So instead of being upset with these things pulling on you or calling you back away from spirit or what we might call distractions or disturbances, as they call your attention and pull you, as you turn to face them, Face them with loving and bring the loving into there. To love those things, that's how you get free. 
So it's all perfect, and that's how it works for everyone, whether they realize it or not. Remember before we started class, I was telling you, I was walking up to the stage backwards, and I said, am I going forwards or backwards? And I said, both. And you asked me, well, well why? Because I, I shared that I had inner experiences. For years, I used to travel in spirit backwards, but I was still moving forward, but I was faced backwards. And Leanne said, well, well why were you faced backwards? I said, because I was focused into the past or into those things in the world, my karmas, that were incomplete. But I was still moving forwards. But because of where I was focused, my attention, I was upset a lot of the time because I th seemed like I was caught up all the time in that rather than just the loving all the time, which is what I wanted. But here I was moving into the loving all the time. So then I just simply learned what I just shared with you now, to let the loving come into that or if that doesn't seem to work, LAF, loving, acceptance, forgiveness, then I go, okay, God, I give it up to you. So if you can't bring the loving in it, bring it into the loving. Give it up to God. Do both. Do all of it. You probably will. But eventually, it's really just a matter of finding that way that we can give it all up to God, that we can bring the loving into all of it. And then it will stop calling our attention. And then all of a sudden when we're free, because see, I didn't get to tell you the rest of my story. What happened after, I, this went on for a few years for me. Almost all my inner experiences, I'd be traveling backwards. But I remember the day that all of a sudden when I just totally surrendered and gave it all up to God and wasn't upset or disturbed or struggled with it anymore. In that, where I just let it all go to loving, when I did the loving fully, all of a sudden I had no more attachments focusing me into the world, and just automatically my soul turned forward to where I was going, which was towards God. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I think you had your hand up here. And thank you. I want to say <laughs> thank you for asking that, because we all go through that. You can still pass it. We all go through that, and it's just a matter of bringing the loving into it all or bringing it into the loving. We want to... Loving transforms everything. That's what sets us free. And that's all we have to do is do everything we can to do in the loving. And in the loving, we don't want to avoid or push away all these things that even disturb us. Even our fears and worst disturbances and those things that distress us, we don't want to avoid them or push them away. We want to love them because the loving brings them into the oneness and loving where that disturbance will just dissolve. The disturbance is that sense of separation inside of us. We want to love everything, and in the loving, as it returns to the oneness, the disturbance will drop away because there's no more separation. Does that make sense with this? So do everything you can to bring it all into loving, and don't ignore or avoid even your worst fears and disturbances. Find a way to love all those fears and disturbances, because that's how you'll get free. That's how those things will disappear. That's how you'll get rid of them. You don't really get rid of them though. In the loving they just dissolve and become one with the loving. So nothing has gotten rid of. It is simply integrated into the loving where it's all one. And in that oneness there is only freedom. There is no disturbance of separation. And that's what this is about. That's what this pathway is. So thank you. I'm still trying to figure out how to word this. It's what you said um, 
really struck a chord with me because um, to approach the meditation with loving and have the intention of doing it in loving instead of because the, the, the push to get out of here is so strong like I want out, I want out but if you if you approach it that way that's being stressful with it instead of approaching it with loving and doing it in loving then the side effect is getting out mm -hmm. so what I have to do is flip that. Does that make any sense? That's that's it. That's it. Listen, my first several years of doing this pathway, I was motivated to get out of here. Exactly. But you see, it was a great motivation because it got me to do the meditation. But as I kept doing the meditation over the years, then I started getting more in touch with the loving. And I go, that's what it's about. It's about the loving, not getting out of here. Because you see, when you're awake and living the loving, you're free whether you're in the body or out of the body. It doesn't matter what realm you're on, you're free. And so you want to focus on the loving and let that become your primary motivation. You know, it's okay if, if, if the negative experience, the disturbance, the distress motivates us in the beginning. But you see, just like the last question, it's just like find a way to bring all the loving into it. Because as you do that, then the distress and disturbance starts to drop away. And then because of your experience of doing the loving, then loving will begin to replace the disturbance as your motivation. Then loving really, in a sense, you transform the disturbance into loving because of how you approach it and then you do that. So yes, that's exactly what it's about. See, I got to a level of freedom by letting the disturbance be my motivator, but it was not until I really moved into the loving that all of a sudden I got my true spiritual freedom. And the reason why I'm sharing this way and why Jim and I have been talking about this for a while is because we know it's been taught in so many old pathways and even recent ones that there's still that fear factor of getting off of this planet and if we don't do our meditation or do this or that, that we're going to have to reincarnate and come back and deal with all those heavy karmas again. And I'll tell you what, is if fear's the motivator, it's always, it's, it, it's, if fear is our motivator, we're living the fear. And so we will reincarnate. So take a good look at that. And uh, this pathway has even used fear as a motivation. I know expressions today that teach sound and light that fear is their motivator. And I just have found in my own experience that it did motivate me for a while. But I didn't get spiritually free and awake until I let go of that and let love be my motivator. Let the loving be the motivator. That's what my whole talk was about in turning to the spirit. Let that be your motivator. Not, you know, it's just where you, again, that whole experience I shared about us fake focus in the world or in the spirit. I was still moving to spirit even when fear was my motivator. But eventually, I need to even let go of that so I could now turn into because eventually the soul has to let go of all of its focus and attention in the world to fully turn into and awaken back into the oneness with God. Eventually we'll all do it. But why not do it now if you're getting this information and you're grasping it, which you are because you wouldn't have been able to explain it like you did if you didn't understand it.
And then it's just now doing that more and more so that you awaken fully. Thank you. Yeah. One thing I could say to that, too, is that um, whenever a distraction comes up in my meditation, my mind, my emotions, my body begin to stir and throw things up in the way, I eventually, maybe I don't catch myself right away, but eventually when I do catch myself having been distracted from God and from my meditation, I begin to focus back into the loving. And if that which has become the distraction will not let go, will not move, keeps on coming at me even stronger, then I focus my loving into loving God that is in the distraction. And I go, I know God's in here. I'm going to find you. I love you. I'm going to follow the loving into you. And it's just immediately uh, sometimes, and not immediately uh, sometimes, but it will dispel, it will disperse the energy of distraction. And it will take me right back into my focus with God again. And it can be just that simple. But first we have to pay attention enough to know that we've been distracted. We've turned away from that which our intention was set upon, which was God and loving. And all we have to do is turn back towards it. And if there is something that is just holding our attention so much that we can't turn back to God, then love God in the distraction, and you're automatically focused back on God. I think it was a hand, yeah, back at Raquel. All the way back, I want to raise your Um, I really got a lot of value out of what you said, Brian, about accepting the choices that have been made. Um, because as you talked about that, um, I, I was, that's one of the things I've been working with about after making choices, sometimes at the time of making those choices, I don't know everything or have the information, don't have the learning. I find so often I get stuck in what I've learned in that choice and would have done something different, and I can get caught in that. And so, you know, what you said about doing that, about loving the choices that you've made and forgiving the choices that you've made was a really valuable tool in, in assisting me because at that moment I was, I was able to say, I just didn't know at the moment that I made those choices. I really just didn't know. And, um, and it's so easy for me to judge those choices. And so, and I wasn't feeling butterflies. I was, you know, I was feeling something stuck in my chest on that. Um, and the choices had to do with expressing loving. And, um, judgment about how it's expressed, about expressing it correctly, about when it's expressed, and um, wishing I, I expressed it more in the past. And, and so when you talked about loving those choices... That that was just really important to me. There's a lot of value in that. Thank you. You're welcome.
you know, a lot of, a lot of choices in a sense are unconscious. That's what we call karma as well. It's, it's unknown. And that's a lot of the journey in the beginning is that we're just kind of doing life and we don't even know why. But as we focus more into God and through the loving is how we awaken. And that's, that awakening is beginning to even realize the choices we've made. And in that we can begin to make different choices because now we more fully know the details. And as we awaken in that, then that process of forgiving and accepting and loving the old choices is now we've learned. We're free then through that learning and by loving those things. And then it serves our soul in wonderful ways. But in that awakening then, we begin to see how we can make different choices to now, in a sense, turn around and support ourselves in yet a greater way. So the past has served us very well because we've learned wonderfully. And it is through the loving that we've learned and it is through the loving that begins to turn us now through a wakeful state to now choose consciously rather than the old of unconscious. That's why we even call this spiritual awakening. And that's getting free. You know, you're describing the greater process. This is how practically it looks spiritually, this process of getting liberated and free is through these conversations like this. And that's just part of the journey through this level. Isn't it nice to know, though, that we can make new choices to awaken more and more to the loving and the expression of loving in that way? Yes, and, and there's a little bit of fear of the unknown of different choices. <laughs> I'll say just a little bit more on that. We're never going to really fully know what's going to come with any choice we make until we make the choice and then follow through. And that's what life is about, is experience. We make the choice and then we follow through, and in that we have the experiences. That's what life is about. We don't want to avoid it. If we do, we avoid life itself. But even that's decision by default, and so you get to learn what comes with that. And that's all perfect, too. There really are no mistakes. And for me, that comes back to loving the experience of life rather than working on getting rid of karma or getting off the planet and all of that. It's about loving the experience of life that you know, guides me through those choices. That's what I have found to be the better, easier, more pleasant way to do life. Because I know, you know so many times in the past I've tried to figure out my karma, to figure out the results of my choices, and it never works. Because that's not what life is about. Life is not about figuring out our lessons. You can't make a choice or want, or you can't know what you're going to learn until you walk through the experience. Truly. It's just a mental game if you try to figure it out and know what it is before you actually have the experience. This is true. I've got some really good reference points for that. <laughs> Thank you. Life's about having experience, and we, we will learn just through the experience, and that's what this is about. Mm -hmm. It's just easier when you do it in loving rather than trying to figure out through the mind. It's just a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable, and then you don't mind. Then fear is no longer your motivation when you do it that way. Then it really is loving motivating you. And then it's all okay, however it unfolds, because you're living it in loving. 
I've had reflections in the past few weeks, too, that have really made me so grateful to be on this path and so grateful to have everybody here as part of it. And so grateful for what you bring to us and offer to us. It's both our joy. It really is. And really, we're a family. We are a spiritual family. We're reuniting ourselves once again. This is a family reunion. We're coming together physically, but we're also awakening to the oneness that we're already in. And that awakening takes place on all levels, all the way down into the very physical with this reunion so that we truly can live it to the fullest while we're in the physical. And when we leave this physical, join once again into that consciously fully, letting go of all those things that caused us to be distracted from it in the first place. So this is a reunion. It is a reuniting of the spiritual oneness, of the spiritual family. So we're all in this together. We're all walking a very similar journey. We may have different words on it. We may have a little different experience with the different parts of our, our, our life journey. But in truth, it's all one and the same. you want to pass it to Lisa? I was actually going to, first of all, say how, how grateful I am. I just I feel like I'm dreaming and that, that this is in Austin and that we're here. I just, that's crazy. Um, following up a little bit on what I've been thinking about since last week uh, with my mother um, about my whole uh, kind of uh, re relation to uh, loving in my life. And, um, you know, I don't know why I chose her, obviously, but, you know, I also have a brother. You had talked about siblings right after my sharing. But that seemed too um, nice of a sharing for me because I have such a, a, I have a brother who I cannot even imagine um, loving, accepting, or forgiving. Cannot imagine. But my heart is so closed, and um, I mean I know it's relative, but to me it feels like a, a stone. It was that way. It's been that way for years since growing up in my house. Um, I hate my brother, can't stand my mother, and I can see that I've made a choice in my main relationship with someone that I seem to hate as well. Um, I hope you're not going to tell me to love my mother or love my brother because <laughs> I really, really can't do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe you'll tell me to accept them, but I mean, I have so much rage against my brother that I, I feel like it, it's, you know, it's gigantic inside of me. So I am trying to move forward and move on and maybe hopefully make new choices, hopefully, please God, eventually, whenever. But it feels like a big um, a leap for me. I mean, a gigantic, gigantic Boulder. They're going to tell me to go around instead of over, probably. But I. <laughs> no, just love the boulder, right? You know the the key, the key to it is is loving yourself. Sit in meditation. 
sit during the day, give yourself time every moment of every day as much as you can, focusing on the truth of who you are, and begin to awaken to that divine loving that resides in you, and then let the loving do the rest. The loving knows automatically how to bring about healing, balance, wholeness, completion, release. It automatically does that. It just automatically does that. All we are to do is to awaken to the divine loving that resides in us. So it begins by loving ourselves, by forgiving ourselves, by accepting ourselves. And if we do that, it automatically begins to ripple out. It begins with one drip of loving, that movement of loving that begins to stir, stir the surface of our consciousness. Just like a drip will begin to stir the, the stillness of a pond. And those ripples go out and affect the whole surface of the consciousness of our, of our beingness. That love, that loving action, just in the moment, begins to stir everything within our consciousness, everything within our existence. And everything begins to change and transforms because of that movement of loving that just took place in the moment. And then as we begin to move more and more loving and more and more of that stirring takes place, we begin to find that those things that are not really serving that loving or they're not in harmony with that loving automatically just flow outward, outward away from us, away from where we are focused, which is in our loving. And we begin to find our lives transformed. And so we can have all that change just by sitting every day and just saying, I love myself as I am right now. I love myself, and I forgive all those things that separate me from my loving. I love myself, and in loving myself, I love the Lord God that dwells within me. That's the beginning of the movement of loving, acceptance, and forgiveness. When we do that, everything else just happens. And then we have to go along with what happens. And that is that things do change. Loving transforms. Transformation is change. And then we have to go along with the change. And we may find those around us that we've had disturbance with change and really do begin to move in a new way with us. And we may like the movement. We may not like the movement. We may find that some move away from us and others move towards us. And we're going, well, wait a minute. You're the one I had trouble with and you're moving closer to me. What's going on here? You're supposed to be rippling away. Maybe not. Maybe they're the ones that are also longing for loving, and they're going to be drawn closer to you to come to an understanding of what it is that's going on here. They're automatically going to be pulled into the current of loving to discover for themselves what that loving is. So in this action of how loving moves, we do not try to put our wants, our needs, our expectations on it. But rather we begin to learn how to live in this movement of loving, live in this flow of loving, and see what it's really all about. And if things begin to move away from us, we just be in the loving with that. And if things begin to move towards us, we just be in the loving with that. And let the loving do what it needs to do. Now, in that, there's also that which we are doing and are going to do in that movement. There are physical things, 
There are emotional things. There are mental things that we are to do in this divine flow of loving. Sometimes we have to take responsibility in the physical world for our thoughts and our feelings, our actions and our reactions. And that's where then that movement of loving acceptance and forgiveness that begins within us, that begins to stir the waters, begins to move the loving, now has to go out and be expressed with others. And if we do not like the personality, if we do not like the ego, if we do not like the mind of the person, we can love the Lord God that dwells within them. Because just as the Lord God that dwells within me as my soul, God dwells within all that is soul. So I can turn to them and I say, I hate you, I do not like you, I do not want you in my life, but I love the Lord God that lives within you. And in that loving, I allow you, I accept you, and I continue to hold loving with you. And that will begin to, uh, the balance of things. That will begin to transform things. That will begin to answer things. And I find that if I just hold in the loving, it gets resolved. And I don't have to do a whole lot. But if I think I have to do a whole lot, I often find myself abandoning the loving and going into the mind or the emotions or the body to try to make it happen the way I think it should happen. And that's with others as well as within myself. And for the jokesters in here, the drip and ripple effect is, the new word is dripple effect. <laughs> I'm realizing this isn't me, it's just motivated in the group consciousness. Oh, <laughs> it's their fault, huh? <laughs> you take full responsibility for that. Um, I appreciate you sharing your feelings about your family. Um, I have a stepmother, and I've had a hard time dealing with her for a long time and her superiority. And even before I started coming here, though, and just started working on myself... Um, and, and loving myself more, I uh, was just thinking how she had started being drawn to me and calling me and asking me for advice. And I thought, well, how strange. But um, it does happen. It does happen when you um, focus on yourself and, and not necessarily the right relationship. One thing I want to say on another level I mean, the core thing, obviously, is what Jim shared, because that's really the true movement of spirit in that way. One of the ways that I've seen that movement reflected in this world, though, is um, being sincere or honest with yourself that I spoke of earlier. And when we can be honest with our own thoughts and feelings and actions, such as you expressed very well, you know, both of you actually, whatever the words, I hate, I don't like, you know, those things in the world, when we can be honest, that's how we actually feel and what we think. That honesty is the beginning of now beginning to get free. Because so many times in our consciousness do we make those things wrong. It is not good to feel hate. It is not good to feel dislike. It is not good. That judgment that it is not good is the self-judgment. So as we begin to love self, and forgive self, it removes those judgments to let it be okay. That's acceptance. 
to let it be okay that I feel this way or that I think this way. When we can begin to be sincere, authentic, and honest with ourselves with what's going on inside is that beginning of now setting ourselves free. And then following through to get the freedom. But that's the beginning. To me, when you can do that is when you now have opened the door to allow yourself to step free of what that is. Does that make sense? Because a lot of the times we'll make these things wrong. It is not good to feel or think this way. That's a judgment. And now we have just placed that as one of those stumbling blocks or boulders between us and God. And so by being honest and sincere with whatever's present, being honest, truly honest with what's present inside of you is that first step to freedom. And that's an important thing to do. And then as you do that, then it's easier now to move into that greater fullness of the spiritual loving inside. So I just wanted to share that as another little key on another reflective level in the mind and emotions inside of us that I have found is a very useful tool to open that door for that greater action spiritually. I think she might have turned it off. Sometimes it's the simplest movement within us that can free us. And sometimes it's the most obvious of things that can bring us the freedom. So it's nice to have these kinds of sharing times because it does bring to the surface those tools, those awarenesses, those understandings about how to truly approach life. And in truth, what we're sharing is nothing new. It's nothing that uh, we know and you don't know. It's just bringing to the surface what lies within you to automatically do if you just allow yourself to move past those things that distract you from the truth that you already know. I've always said, I'm not here to share with you anything other than what you already know. But I'm also here to bring to your awareness those things that you've forgotten so you can begin to live the truth of those and not keep living in the forgetting state. Who's next? So instead of forgive and forget, you're suggesting to forgive and to remember? Remember and forgive. <laughs> <laughs> remember God and forgive everything else. <laughs> I'm pretty good about being honest with myself when I'm not in good places when I'm dark or something. But I find it when I get around people who are perky and sparkly, when I'm <laughs> like that, I have an allergy to them. <laughs> really. And, and vice versa. And so I don't always say the truth. You know, people say, how are you? And I just go, sometimes I don't say anything or I say something neutral like, I'm okay or something. 
And sometimes I'll tell them the truth. I'll say, no, I'm not doing very well right now. And I always feel like they pull away. The energy pulls away. And, uh, and then I feel like I've sort of darkened their day. But um, what I'm sort of getting at here is when I'm like that, is it better for me to stay around people who are up and perky, or is it better for me to pull away <laughs> until I can get there, truly? I mean, I, I know there's no right answer to that, but it's really, it's like being in a room when you're on a diet and being able to smell food you can't have or something because you're around these perky people and you can't get there. So, that's something like a question. <laughs> Use something like an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have to find what works for us. If being around people that are up and in a great spirit serves to bring us to a better place or helps remember us back into that within ourselves, then that's the place to be. But if it tends to focus us more into our darkness, our disturbance, then it might be better for us to go off and be by ourselves for a moment however long that moment may be. It's really what, do, what, what, does, what does serve us? What and how do we move ourselves? And what and how do things around us move us? And, and so you've got to find the answer for yourself in that. And it may be one, one day and, and a different answer the next. There's people may not really feel That's true. Right. Thanks. It's funny, this, all this discussion today has reminded me of something while Brian was sharing a little bit earlier, uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, I remembered something. Um, I'll just close with this. It's kind of a little story. When I was uh, growing up, here we go. <laughs> that was a little boy. It's okay, that's right. When I was a child. Um, I remember one time I was uh, over at uh, this our neighbors, this girl that was about two years old, younger than me. And uh, we were all having dinner together. My parents were there and I was there. And, and uh, there was green beans on the, on the uh, plates. We, all, the kids were given their food. And, and the little girl said, I hate green beans. And, um, and her mother said, oh, don't worry about it. They hate you. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, what? And she said, you know, it's not that you hate the green beans, it's that the green beans hate you. And my mother looked at, at her and looked at me like, you know, what's going on here? Kind of, we could see it in her, her look. And the little girl says, oh, well, I, I really don't hate you, talking to the green beans. I don't really hate you, I, and I want you to like me. I, I really like you. And her mother said, well, why don't you show them how much they like you like them? You know, you, you've not been eating them, and that's why they hate you. They want to share their good flavor with you. <laughs> and the little girl says, oh, okay, well, I like you a lot. And she took, she took a green bean and ate it and, and chewed it up real good. And her mommy said, so do you want to prove to them how much you like them? And she says, oh, okay, I really like you. And she took a couple of more bites and... And ate them, and and uh, my mother said, "So that's how you get her to eat these things." <laughs> and we walk, we were walking home, and my dad says, "So, what foods do you hate?" <laughs> like he was already programming how he was going to handle. 
So if there's something you hate out there, just remember, it's not that you hate it, it hates you. And all you have to do is turn around and say, no, I like you. And it'll begin to appreciate and, and let you enjoy them. <laughs> so with that, we'll call it to a close for the day, and, and we'll see you all next Sunday. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, too.